Hello, and welcome back to Progressive Film Hour with Mitchell Rabin. I'm very glad you're joining us again today. We are on every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, know that most of you really listen in archive, and that's just fine at prn.fm or abetterworld.tv. It's a pleasure to have you now and later and to spread the word of our show every single week in which we highlight and feature different films that are making a difference in our world, footage in this case, that uh, is very impactful to, in this case also, the hundreds and thousands of people around the world who have watched uh, this footage about the environment that has been produced by the Pachamama Alliance and we'll be speaking with uh, its co-founders, a couple of its co-founders today, CEO Bill Twist, and uh, in charge of curriculum and uh, classroom seminar development, Tracy Apple. First, we'll be showing you some of the footage of the uh, material that have been, has been shown in seminars, symposia, really across the world in many, many countries and translated into different languages. And it's rather extraordinary because this footage, uh, you'll get a couple of clips today, outlines very much the issues that we are facing as a globe, as a planet, uh, that face all individuals, all families, all communities. And what, on the other hand, is being done to remedy the environmental, the social, the economic, and the political injustices and issues that are happening across our beautiful planet. And it's with the, the most beautiful touch, always a sense of poetry, as well as a strong sense of justice. These uh, clips convey our and the Pachamama Alliance's deep commitment to turning this world around, and we'll be starting with a clip from uh, the work, the origins, actually, of the Pachamama Alliance, which is with the Achuar Indians in Amazonian Ecuador. We'll get to that in just a moment. First, I want to just give you a brief bio of our roundtable discussions today, our guests, Bill Twist, who, with his wife, Lynn Twist, who has also been on A Better World Radio some years back because of her book called The Soul of Money, and John Perkins and others have, were uh, the originators, the co-founders of the Pachamama Alliance. Pachamama, I believe, in the Quechua Indian language of the Amazon and the Andes means Gaia. Uh, translated from one language into ancient Greek, Gaia, of course, which, which signifies the living Mother Earth as a living being, a living intelligence, truly the indigenous understanding of our origins and our, our true biological and, in so many ways, spiritual mother. So it's a, it's a very beautiful and very fitting name. Uh, Bill Twist... Uh, serves as the CEO and co-founder. And he says about himself, quote, I am generally referred to as founder 
of the Pachamama Alliance, but more truthfully, I am the beneficiary of a process that, quote, founded me, very, very uh, to the point. Since its inception in 1996, the Pachamama Alliance has provided a rich and constantly expanding environment for my personal meaning, Bill, personal education about the world at large, and has provided a powerful opportunity to live a life of service and contribution. It has been a gift. Bill has also been the president of the Pachamama Alliance since 1996. He also has an extensive background in business, having worked in management consulting, equipment leasing, financial services since 1970. He's done undergraduate work in engineering and has a master's in business administration. Our other guest today is Tracy Apple, another of the co-founders and member of the board of directors, is the program developer and founding board member who has been involved since the inception of Pachamama Alliance and was one of the primary people responsible for bringing the Awakening the Dreamer, Changing the Dream Symposium into being as well as for creating and leading the facilitator training program in the U.S. and abroad. Tracy received a master's in curriculum development from UC Berkeley School of Education and has taught gifted elementary school children in Richmond, California. She is also a founding member of the Hunger Project and a family oral historian for many years. She's interestingly also been a camp counselor for kids from New York City slums, led youth hostel bicycle trips around Europe, led to donor trips to Africa, Bangladesh, and guided spiritual adventure travels in Tibet, Mongolia, Bhutan, Peru, Ethiopia, Morocco, and Cuba. So it's a pleasure, Bill and Tracy, to have you on today on Progressive Film Hour with me to discuss uh, the Pachamama Alliance and uh, the work that you've been doing and its, its implications for the world in general. Glad you're here. So you. now, surely, uh, now I'd like to turn to an initial clip that will run for a few minutes and uh, then we'll follow that up with discussion among us about the Pachamama Alliance and the work it's doing environmentally, psychosocially, as I was describing. I'll read a little bit. If you have come here to help us, you are wasting your time because I know that this is audio for you all. But if you have come because you know your These liberation is bound people, up with ours, one of our planet's most remote indigenous then groups. let us work together. The Achwa are an ancient dream culture still living in harmony with their ancestral land. Nearly two million acres of pristine tropical rainforest in Ecuador and Peru. In the late 1980s, the Achuar elders and shamans began having dreams and visions that a grave threat was coming to their people. The Achuar soon realized what that threat was as they began to see what contact with the outside world and its thirst for oil was doing to the land and cultures of their indigenous neighbors. And so, the Achuar made a bold move. They reached out to create a partnership with the very world that was threatening to destroy them. 
1995, a call issued forth from the heart of the natural world that was heard thousands of miles away by a small group of people in the modern world. In the summer of that year, in a remote village in the rainforest, these two worlds came together, and the Pachamama Alliance was born. From the very beginning, our indigenous partners told us that it was really, really great that we were working with them in the Amazon shoulder to shoulder, but that was only half the battle. They told us if we really wanted to protect their lands permanently, we would need to go to work in our part of the world. And as they put it, we would need to change the dream of the North, the dream of the modern world, a dream rooted in consumption and acquisition without any regard to the consequences to the natural world or even to our own future. Out of our work with them, we came to see that we in the modern world truly are in some kind of a trance, living a dream that's threatening not only the rainforest and their way of life, but the health and well-being of the entire planet. So in response to the request that came from its indigenous partners, the Pachamama Alliance created the Symposium, Awakening the Dreamer, Changing the Dream, now being offered by thousands of volunteers in dozens of countries around the world. The purpose of the symposium is an audacious one, bringing forth an environmentally sustainable, spiritually fulfilling, socially just human presence on this planet. The intention is that by the end, rather than seeing these as three separate issues, you see them as interrelated facets of one profoundly interconnected whole. And that you not only understand the scope and urgency of the planetary situation we face, but you also see that the possibility of our times is greater than the crisis. The symposium was created out of the realization that the future of life on Earth is truly up to us. The main purpose of the program is to create a critical mass of global citizens who are awake and who can see that the future is not something we're going to live into, but it's something we can actually create. So what is needed is people who have a vision of a sustainable, just, and fulfilling future, and who are in action together to transform human systems and structures that separate us from one another and from the natural world. Wow, that is a powerful clip. Bill Twist, your phrase in that, uh, create the future, create the future, reminds me of Buckminster Fuller's brilliant line, uh, if you want to know what the future is going to be, create it. <laughs> <laughs> right. What a good way to ensure it. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad to have you both on. It's been uh, a real journey for me getting to know uh, the Pachamama Alliance and the good work that it's doing around the world. It's really a pleasure and honor, and you've been up to so much good. If you would share with our audience 
what was the origin? I, we, of course, got a glimpse of it here. But if you would just tell us the story of how you, Lynn, John Perkins, uh, came to uh, begin this in connection with, inspired by, the story of the Achuar Indians in Ecuador. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Mitch. Yeah, that, 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 is, a, that is an inspiring clip. I'm, I'm glad you chose that to play. Um, we, the, um, Len and I and John were invited. Um, I won't go into all the circumstances of how the invitation came about, but John Perkins had actually been doing some work with indigenous cultures in Latin America in, in the western Amazon basin of Ecuador and Peru in the late 60s and, um, and then again in the 80s and 90s. And so John and Lynn and I were invited to go to meet with this tribe, this na- nation, indigenous people, the Achuar, who live in an extremely remote area of the of the Western Amazon basin, totally untouched by roads, by any kind of outside activities, but they had become aware that their their indigenous neighbors to the south in northern Peru had been run over and decimated by oil development, and they'd become aware that their indigenous neighbors to the north in the northern part of Ecuador's Amazon and up into Colombia had also been run over by oil development, lost their culture, lost lost their lives, really. Mm, yeah. um, and the Achuar made this decision that that what they were going to do was get organized. They knew that the, that oil development was a threat that could come to their territory. They made it a conscious decision to get organized. Getting organized meant creating a political organization that could have interactions with the outside world, with the Ecuadorian government, and they wanted to reach out and, and form connections with, with committed allies. So we were fortunate enough to be invited to go on a trip to visit Achuar territory. John and Lynn and I and I think 12 people, we spent a week and a half out in their territory, um, heard, heard their plans, and John was a John Perkins had had a lot more experience with working with indigenous people, environmental issues, rainforest issues. Lynn and I were really novices in in in, in environmental issues. Lynn had been involved in the Hunger Project. I think you mentioned. Yeah, uh, you two didn't have much to do with the environmental issues in the Amazon. You were just very busy uh, solving the issues of world hunger. That's all. Yeah, and since we <laughs> little things like that, uh, little things for twenty-five years or so, right? Things that gave us a lot of free time. Um, sure. So, so we got invited to go out there. We went out there, and it was a at the time. When uh, was it? When were you down there? Nineteen ninety-five. Mm-hmm. Actually, June of nineteen ninety-five, coming up on the twentieth anniversary of our, yes. our trip there, and it was uh, a really impactful experience at the time I didn't notice that it I didn't see that it was going to be life-changing it was deeply impactful we came back to the to San Francisco we shared our experience with with friends friends um, that, that had been in our 
that we'd worked with on on the hunger project really and other social issues for a while mm-hmm. our friends got interested we took a trip down we took another trip down those people got more engaged we came back they told people it just started growing and and at some point it became clear that it was a project that was worth devoting all the energy we we all the energy I had Lynn had that devoted to this project. It was a project that was about protecting the rainforest, but it quickly grew into a project that was really about the rainforest. You can't protect the rainforest just by working inside the rainforest. The threats to the rainforest, the threats to our most important biodiversity and most important biodiverse space on the planet doesn't come from inside Ecuador. It comes from out in the rest of the world. It comes from the dream of the modern world which is a dream of consumption and growth without regard, as we said, to the impact on the natural world. So the Pachamama Alliance became a project both about protecting what we see as the source of life on this planet, the, the sacred headwaters of the Amazon rainforest, and then um, inspiring a new future that we needed to engage with the, the dream of the modern world and that's what the symposium, the, this film clip, or the audio clip that we played was from this Awakening the Dreamer Symposium that was an educational program we created to, a, to address what the indigenous people asked us to do, not only mm-hmm. to work and help them, but to change the dream of the modern world. That's what, the, that's what grew out of that original visit in 1995, and now... We do these educational programs. We still work closely on the ground with the indigenous people, and we do educational programs now all around the world aimed at changing the dream of the modern world. Yes, exactly. For our audience, just so you understand, if you don't already, based on the clip and what Bill was sharing with us, uh, the Achuar and their neighbors in the Ecuadorian Amazon are considered to be virtually the most biodiverse area of the entire Amazon, which goes to say most of the world uh, that has been uh, impinged upon, to put it gently, by oil interests, uh, is considered a dream culture. Uh, like the Kogi and many others in South America, Africa, the Australian Aboriginal others, uh, are are dream cultures where the relationship between waking and uh, the dimensions of dream are not as hard and fast as we have in our worst Western interpretation of reality. So just so you know, when Bill says uh, changing our dream, it also could be said as changing our mind, changing our vision, changing our headset, changing our worldview. Uh, which is, of course, clearly one of consumption and consumerism as a religion, you know. And so thank you for all of that. Tracy, uh, Tracy Apple, if I could just turn to you for a moment. Uh, you are so instrumental in the development and the creation of the symposia that are offered all over the world. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here to share with us. Uh, how many countries... Are the uh, symposia taking place in now? Well, uh, that's a great question. And let me back up a little bit. When we, when we created the symposium in March of 2005, we, we delivered it for the first time 
We delivered it to about 180 of the friends who wanted to know what we're all working on. And they all came together, and, and we were kind of nervous. It's like, ah, is this thing going to work? And at yeah. the end of it, uh, we said, is there anyone here who, who's interested in leading it, learning to deliver this? And fully half the group raised their hands. And we went, oh, my word. We better get some kind of training program together. Oh, my. Yeah. I'm I mentioning that because it isn't like we have this master plan and we're kind of playing it out. It's been much more organic, the whole thing. Yes. Um, so we the, symposium, the first symposium was presented in March in 2005, and then uh, in September that year, somebody went and took it to the United Kingdom. And I was left thinking, no, 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 we're not ready. Don't take it anywhere yet. It's not perfect. But it, there's been a quality to the to the expansion, I'll say, of the symposium. It's a little bit unstoppable. So that, mm. it's, to the best of our knowledge, it's been been presented in 81 different countries now. But it isn't as though the Pachamama Alliance had this plan. Okay, now we're going to go to this country, this continent. No, no. It would be someone who came maybe to a symposium you led, uh, Mitch, for example, if you were yes. trained to deliver them, mm -hmm. and uh, but who lived in um, you know Uruguay and decided, no, 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 this. I want the people of Uruguay to wake up. So 81 in 81 different countries, someone has gone back and either done the whole translation, I mean the whole translation, people including the videos they've done, mm. or they'll do a voiceover. And so to answer your question directly, as far as we know, 81 countries, and as far as we know, it's been translated, again, not on our budget, not something we funded, something that just has organically happened in 17 different languages. Isn't that amazing? We're kind of as impressed as anyone. It's very impressive. It's it sounds Tracy like spontaneous combustion. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's like the time, as they say. You know, uh, what is it? Victor Hugo's uh, famous there's line: nothing, "There's nothing like an idea whose time has come." I think so powerful. As yeah. So powerful. So it's as though there is a morphogenetic field that has been created that you have, with the indigenous roots of the Achuar, as you were saying, Bill, gave this a fertile momentum from the beginning and a handshake across continents that we're in this together. We really are brothers and sisters. We've got to go for it. And the recognition that there is a fractal relationship between what is happening on the micro level, so to speak, lungs of the earth, it's not so micro, in the Amazon and what's befalling them in dealing face-to-face -face with the oil interests that want to utterly drill through and destroy ancient culture and what's going on on the rest of the planet that we are all facing respectively in our own home communities, such as in New York City, dealing with fracking and, and different kinds of pipelines in and out of the city and in the in the overall region and each major municipality in our country and the world are facing similar parallel kinds of issues. Uh, Mitch, can I make a comment? Please. Thanks. Um, you, you, in your introduction, you, you introduced us and you said something about the Pachamama Alliance's commitment to turn this world around. And yes, that's true. And I, I, your listeners might be interested to know a little bit kind of how. How, how are we going about it? Because there's oh, please. so much wonderful work being done at this time in history by so many, you know, inspiring, phenomenal not-for-profits. So I just wanted uh, to be clear, kind of our approach to it is we're really about waking people up, 
or shall we say providing an environment in this symposium where people wake themselves up mm-hmm. to what's going on, what's going on. And it's the kind of thing that maybe we all know, but it's a little confronting to sit at home and listen to the radio, watch the news, read the articles, and it's like, oh, I don't really want to let all that in. Let me have another beer or, honey, let's go on vacation. <laughs> So, so yeah. what, what we're planning, aiming to do is actually provide a safe environment for people to wake up to what is going on in the world and in the symposium to find out that there is something, that the future, as you, you read that beautiful Bucky quote, um, that if you want to know what the future is going to be created, to know that the future isn't created yet and that we in the symposium, in the Pachamama community, uh, your listeners, we do have the capacity to make a difference. And that's not what our society, for the most part, communicates. For the most part, we live in a, in a world that's like, eh, it's hopeless, give up, you know, oh, or yes. either resigned or denial. So in the symposium, we're, we're very mindful about having people see, no, uh, there is another future possible. Is it guaranteed? Heck no. Is it possible? Yes. Is there a you can play? Absolutely. And by the end of the symposium, we invite people to take a stand. And I want to read you the the actual purpose of the symposium. And we've had people tell us they've walked into the room, and the symposium, by the way, is about a three- or four-hour live experience for the most part. They walk into the room, and there's a flip chart or a poster, and it says the purpose of the Awakening the Dreamer changing Changing the Dream Symposium is to create, bring forth an environmentally sustainable spiritually fulfilling, socially just human presence. Mm. And we've had people say they walk in the room and they just read the purpose and kind of that was enough. They, they yes. Their life changed out of that. And, and I mention that because I wanted to, to uh, make it clear to your listeners that it's, it might sound like we're an environmental organization and, and I think that would be a little bit downplaying what may be an ambitious or overambitious reach, but really, we mm-hmm. are about the whole the whole shebang. Yeah, right. The whole McGill. Yeah. Spiritually fulfilling, socially just human presence, and you know those three prongs, if you will, to our commitment. Um, I think it has been very attractive to many people because many of us have been involved in one movement or the other. You know, I've got my spiritual path, but really I don't know what to do about social justice or no, I'm into social justice. Who cares about the polar bears or the people saying, look, we don't have a, a, a planet. None of that other stuff matters anyway. So the Pachamama Alliance is this cauldron, if you will, or a, let's say maybe a fertile ground for communication, for learning from one, one another, but we're not backing off from any of those three. Yes. And so, the, and you, you know, mentioned Gaia as as one translation for Pachamama, the word, the Quechua word Pachamama. Mm-hmm. I, the, the Quechua term includes not only the living earth, as you described it, but it actually means the universe and all time and space. Yeah. So it's huge, yeah. and that's what we're about. Yes, yes, uh, that is just completely beautiful. And thank you for uh, bringing that forth so clearly. The phrase that you have all crafted is riveting. And, I mean, it is so to the point and succinct, I, um, I, I can understand how people could walk in and have that moment of transformation just by contemplating that mission statement. I really do. And I think that is an amazing um, kind of template for what, uh, what they should 
be for any number of different organizations that kind of succinctness and to the pointedness. Uh, I very much appreciated all, I appreciate the integrated nature of it because, as you said, we've all been involved in any number of different efforts and organizations over the course of so many years, and they have a pinpointed focus which is good, but here we really have an integrated focus. That's what I hear, and this yeah. is what I've also experienced having, um, having attended some of the symposia, and I think that's very strong because our spiritual nature, let's just say our core nature, can get lined up behind the matters most deeply rooted in our hearts, which have to do with justice with personal justice among people, among animals, and among uh, regarding the environment. Bill, could you speak to this for a moment? Um, sure. The, um, I was just looking at, thinking through one of the frames we have in the symposium that I think is, is particularly powerful, and it does, it integrates these issues of environment, social justice, spiritual fulfillment, um, the symposium is informed by indigenous wisdom, indigenous cosmology, and indigenous people, as a lot of people know, indigenous people live with a, with, a, with a different relation to the natural world than we in modern Western society do. They, they live in an, inter, in an integrated relationship with it and a communal relationship with each, un, with each, un, with each other. holistic. Yeah. yeah. Yes, a much more holistic, that they're part of a holistic system. We in the West, on the other hand, or in the modern world, have over the last, I don't know how many centuries, have developed a different way of seeing the world. We see the world as something out there, outside of us. And separate. Yeah. To be used, to be yeah. figured out. Exploited. And managed, and, and, and not a source of a spiritual connection. The source of spiritual connection is in traditional western religion it's some distant patriarch that we have a relationship to <laughs> but it, but that yeah. distant patriarch doesn't necessarily or a matriarch doesn't necessarily exist in the in the everyday world that we live in one of the things that modern science is saying is telling now is an entirely different story than that that actually we the world is not outside and we humans over here as observers but that the world is an animated place that's com the universe, the world, uh, is an animated place evolving and expanding, and we humans are emerging out of that. And we bring into the Awakening the Dreamers Symposium then both the indigenous cosmology and the new cosmology that's being told to us by our by the science that used to tell us that the world is a big clock. Science is now starting to show to us that the universe is an evolving place that's evolving towards greater and greater beauty and complexity, and we human beings are an integral part of that, evolving with that. And so in the, in the symposium, we use both of those frames to have people see that the spiritual connection that we're talking about is, not something, is something that happens in our relationship to the natural world. Yeah. That it's that our spiritual connection is grounded in the natural world. We're nurtured by it and inspired by it. Yeah. So that looks like that that is an environment that's clearly an environmental focus, but 
it's a focus that has us as human beings recognizing that we're an integral part of the natural world. We're also an integral part of each other. Yeah. And so the, the, the connection and responsibility that we each have to our community and to the natural world is something that the, the symposium demonstrates and teaches, and it comes at it from two directions, both the indigenous, indigenous cosmology and modern science. Yes. And as a result, it appeals, we think it appeals to a much broader spectrum of people. It's, it's telling the story that's true. It's, it's, it's revealing the story that's true about us as human beings, and it's actually a story that's, that, that's, a, that's an inspiring story that gives meaning to human life. And out of that meaning to human life that comes from that story is the, is the position that people can then take the stand that Tracy was talking about to have, have their life make a difference. And they know they're not doing it out of, out of just making a gesture, but they're doing it out of that they actually do have the, the ability and the responsibility to shape the future right now. Yes. You know, I very much appreciate those words, Bill. I, I think they really hit the uh, the core of what we're dealing with here. I'm just musing as I'm listening to you both speak, uh, knowing uh, about uh, the Hunger Project and its origins and the fact that Werner Earhart, I feel, is one of the greatest unsung heroes of the 20th and 21st centuries, uh, yet his legacy continues on in many ways, including, you know, what is known as the Forum and their later iteration. And uh, also, honestly, I'm really looking at the languaging that is used in the Pachamama Alliance work and uh, educational forum. And I see that in many ways this is that legacy of Werner Earhart's basic work way back in the early 70s maybe late 60s, uh, manifesting in a more specified direction that it's not just about waking up. It's about waking up and having a purpose and a set of values in hand. And it's a coordinated, concerted, as in in concert effort toward certain outcomes, which are, as the mission statement states, both about social justice, about spiritual wakefulness and sustainability. I'm paraphrasing, but creating a just and sustainable world. I, do you know you know what I'm talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. And and you you referenced Buckminster Fuller earlier too. Yes, yeah, sure. Both Buckminster Fuller's work and Werner Erhard's work are at a deep level at the core yeah. of what of what inspired the Pachamama Alliance and uh, I can hear the, that the commitment to to engage in the world you know Bucky saw that we actually as a species we do have the ability to actually create a world that can take care of everyone at a higher level of higher standard of living than anyone could imagine that we that we're not we're not, we don't live in a scarce world we live in a hugely abundant world one of the greatest abundant resources is human ingenuity yes um werner Earhart's work was really about having having people see that they could create their life yes. and have their life be about something 
that they can be, take responsibility for making a difference and contributing to the lives of others. Exactly. And both of those, both of those, the legacy of both of those people's work. I mean, Werner, Werner Erhard's still alive and still doing phenomenal work yeah. in this whole area of, of, of humanity being able to take responsibility and creation. Yes, exactly. Itself. So both of those people are, are what we owe a huge, a huge legacy to. Sure. I, I, I'm just one for loving to give credit where credit is due, and I, I see those two influences among others. In fact, now we're going to turn to a next clip. Uh, which is a little longer, actually, but very, very rich. And again, we'll be seeing, starting with Martin Luther King to Paul Hawken, uh, some very powerful voices that contribute to the overall understanding of where we are and what we can do and uh, the literally millions of organizations that are taking uh, the upper hand in uh, shaping our future. Let us remember that there is a creative force in this universe, a power that is able to make a way out of no way and transform dark yesterdays into bright tomorrows. Let us realize that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. There is a tendency to think that what we see in the present moment will continue. We forget how often we've been astonished by the sudden crumbling of institutions, by extraordinary changes in people's thoughts, by unexpected eruptions of rebellion against tyrannies, by the quick collapse of systems of power that seemed invincible. What leaps out from the history of the past 100 years is its utter unpredictability. Demonstrations in Russia were like totally illegal. After one second holding the banner in front of you, you would be arrested. But we did it once and we did it twice and then we did it three times and a year later, demonstrations were a common thing on the streets of Moscow. We didn't believe that we can change anything, but we did it anyway. After many centuries of warfare in Europe, who could have imagined the emergence of the political power that is now the European Union? And in a country with a history of slavery and segregation, who could have predicted that a man of color would be elected its president? Or that a nation would publicly apologize for the wrongs committed against its first peoples? We apologize for the laws and policies of successive parliaments and governments that have inflicted profound grief, suffering and loss on these our fellow Australians. For the pain, suffering and hurt of these stolen generations, we say sorry. Many, many years ago, I interviewed Desmond Tutu prior to the end of apartheid. And he kept saying, when we end apartheid, and I kept thinking, yeah, right, you know, like, dream on. I mean, I didn't want to 
you know, rain on his parade or anything, but in my, in my heart of hearts, I thought, not in your lifetime. And lo and behold, a year and a half later, it was over. So it was a really profound lesson about what can happen when the will of people aligns. We have defeated awful things like Nazism, like apartheid, and we've seen some wonderful human beings, Mahatma Gandhi, the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa. What that says is that ultimately good prevails. It, it, it is a moral universe despite all appearances to the contrary. <laughs> it, is, it is that there's no way in which uh, evil will ultimately triumph. Many experts are convinced that humanity already possesses the resources and technology to solve our most pressing environmental and social problems. We know how to do these things. This is not a great mystery. We don't have to do research in the next 20 years to figure out what to do. Uh, we know what to do. We think it'll take about $200 billion a year to stabilize population, eradicate poverty, and restore the economy's natural support systems over the next decade. That's a lot. But when you compare it with military budgets, it's, it's really not that much. It is less than a third of the U.S. military budget. It is roughly an eighth of the global military budget. So we can't say we don't have the resources to save civilization. We do. The ideas, technologies, and policies that will lead to a new future are already emerging in government, business, civil society, and in people's personal lives throughout the world. In the United States, growing grassroots movements are mobilizing support for game-changing initiatives such as limiting the influence of money and corporate power in the democratic process and addressing climate change by putting a price on carbon emissions. Pricing carbon emissions and then giving a dividend to consumers can help make renewable energy competitive with fossil fuels. In the business world, social entrepreneurs are creating a new kind of company. Normal companies have a legal obligation to maximize value for their shareholders, period. We wanted to create an opportunity for a company to both make money and make a difference. And so we created this nonprofit B Lab to help support that global movement of entrepreneurs that was trying to use business as a force for good. We sell prescription eyeglasses, and for every pair that we sell, we distribute one to someone in need. We partner with this amazing social enterprise called Vision Spring that trains low income men and women to give eye exams and sell glasses. And they're part of a community of a thousand businesses from more than 80 industries across more than 30 countries that all share one unifying goal, which is to redefine success in business. And if they can do that successfully, uh, one day all companies will compete not only to be the best in the world, but to be the best for the world. A lot of people think that trash is inevitable. It's one of those necessary evils of life, but that's not true. 
Waste is actually the product of bad design, and bad design can be changed. Innovative design is also creating low-tech solutions for the developing world. At the heart of the transition to a new world are the communities, families, and individuals who are changing the way they are living, making new choices based on the values that support a more sustainable, just, and fulfilling society. When we think about global warming, we think about transportation, we think about how we heat our houses, but in fact, how we eat has just as big an impact on climate change. Everywhere on planet Earth, in cities and towns, suburbs and villages, a vast and unprecedented global phenomenon is beginning to make itself known. There is another superpower here on Earth that is an unnamed movement. It is far different and bigger and more unique than anything we have ever seen. It flies under the radar of the media by and large. It is nonviolent. It is grassroots. It has no cluster bombs, no armies, and no helicopters. It has no central ideology. A male vertebrate is not in charge. This unnamed movement, you can clap for that. The very word movement is too small to describe it. This is humanity's immune response to resist and heal political disease, economic infection, and ecological corruption caused by ideologies. This is fundamentally a civil rights movement, a human rights movement. This is a democracy movement. It is the coming world. What you're seeing here is the beginning of a list of the two million organizations in the world that work towards social and environmental justice. And that's a minimum. To give you a sense of how big this movement is, if I start this tape today at 9 a.m. and we watch this all day and all night, and the day after that, and then we watch it for three more weeks, and then another month after that, we still would not have seen the names of all the groups in the world. It's the largest social movement in the history of humankind by far. Powering this growing global phenomenon is the explosive digital revolution that is revealing and connecting a planetary human community. People can now be connected nationwide to act locally in their communities and then have all that local action united into one synchronized, beautiful, harmonic voice. The only voice we have is this video editing. We don't know books, so we can't write much. But if we are able to do a small film of what is happening to us, it will go to the internet and the whole world will see it. We have the technologies, policies, and initiatives to move us toward a thriving future. All that's missing is something that only human beings can provide. The commitment, the collective will to change our direction. 
Awake, committed people are galvanizing that will. Realizing that a new future is truly up to us, they are working together to build the critical mass that can and will change the course of history. Is there anything 
that would actually be a game changer. And we've done some work in the last couple of years on that very topic, and we've put together a seven-module online seminar, really, that's um, called the Game Changer Intensive, which, uh, about a year and a half now, and people just seem to love it. So I wanted to make sure your listeners beautiful. know yeah. that there are a couple programs we have to offer. And, um, yeah. That's beautiful. We invite them to participate then, and in fact, to participate in all the other programs that are out there, to not be living lives in silos, but to be living from a, a place of responsibility for it all. Uh, we yeah. find it tremendous. Well, what I hear you saying, I, what I hear both of you really saying, both directly, explicitly, and implicitly, is that this is, uh, I, I love quoting Reverend Jesse Jackson's line. Uh, I heard him say once, uh, we all took different boats here, but we're all in the same boat now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that is such a call for community building across all vectors and sectors. And, uh, you know, I feel that uh, your work, our work, collectively, I mean, after all, I'm the founder of A Better World, and this is so much the ethos of what we're all about as well, uh, that we're, I feel that your work is very much catalytic, and I find that it's also interestingly transparent. It's not about itself. It's really about the individuals waking up and then the individuals forming bonds, a collectivity, as you were saying before, both of you, uh, to form a new way of living, a new way of being, taking a stand as a group, and in a sense really taking control of our future, not being passive about it, not being hopeless or victim to it, but uh, proactive and deeply creatively. And, you know humorously engaged in turning around this crazy, crazy world. Bill, your final thoughts here. Well, that, uh, what, you're, what you just said in summary is exactly what, what, we're, what we're trying to have people see, that, Great. that the direction the world is going, when, you, when we look deeply at the, the destruction that we're wrecking on the environment, the toxins that are going into the environment, Climate change, is, climate change is obviously a big issue, but it's a symptom of something. It's a symptom yeah. of dysfunctional relationship humans have with the natural world. And the direction that we're going as we humans become more and more a powerful force on this planet, if we don't shift our relationship with the natural world, we're, our future is actually really at risk. And we're, we want people to see that they actually have a role to play. They can play a role in shaping the future, and it just takes us waking up and seeing the direction that we're going, seeing that we're going in a direction we don't want to go, and then looking at how to skillfully work collectively to shape the future we do want, and that's mm -hmm. really what our, yeah. what our work is about. And, and it's not just our relation. It's not just our relationship with the environment. It's our relationship with each other, with yeah. each and it's our relationship with ourselves. It's and an overall upgrade. <laughs> yeah, upgrade, a upgrade, upgrade, please. <laughs> yeah. Upgrade everything. Exactly. We, we exactly. are to ourselves, who we are to our to each other as a human family, and who we are um, in relation to the natural world. That's right. That's right. Beautifully put, Bill Twist. I so appreciate it. Tracy, will you just give your uh, website so uh, our listeners can tune in at their uh, at their convenience and uh, 
Maybe uh, not even at their convenience, at their inner urging. <laughs> right. Uh, it's www.pachamama, and it's P-A-P-S and potato, P-A-C-H-A, mama, M-A-M-A, all one word, dot org. And that'll get you, uh, let you see where symposiums are, the intensives, our trips to the Amazon. Um, Beautiful. I'm going to say one more sentence, if I yes. could, Mitchell. Um, there's a line in the symposium that I'd like to quote from David Ulancey, who says, we have the opportunity now to live the most meaningful lives humans have ever lived, given where humanity is and where the, the world situation is. And for us at the Pachamama line, that's kind of exciting. That's kind of a, a, a brilliant challenge that we feel like we're rising to and yeah. that we're inviting other people to participate in having the kind of meaning so that you know when you get up in the morning, it makes a difference who you are and how you're being and what you do. And, and we really do invite everyone to join us. It, it's up to us as far as we can tell. As far as we can tell, right. Bill Twist and Tracy Apple, thank you so much for joining me today on Progressive Film Hour. It's been really a deep joy and pleasure to have you both on and doing the work you're doing. Thank you, and thank you for the work you're doing, too. You're leading the way for all of us, Mitchell. Right. Yes, thank you very much, both thank of you. Thank you, Mitchell. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much, Bill, and we'll have you on again. Well, that just filled my heart. I hope it did also your own. It's so rich. And uh, leaving on the, on the point about meaning, uh, you know, for those of you who are students of mine or clients, know that meaning and the cultivation of it is that which keeps us healthy. And since I had made reference to Werner Erhard earlier, I love a line of his that says, health is a function of participation. So on that note, uh, thank you all for joining me today. Visit us at our website. Get on the newsletter if you don't get it already. It's free at www.abetterworld.tv. 